Hey, it's Kathy. I have something so fun to tell you about. You may know that the doors are open to my new program, The Abundance Method, but if you enroll by May 15th at 11.59 p.m. Pacific, you're going to get my signature business program also made to do this. That's a $3,000 program that you are going to get for free, included if you sign up by May 15th, just before midnight Pacific time. Made to do this is a phenomenal program that has helped thousands of souls to start businesses, to be able to make a living doing something that they love. This is an incredible deal. You don't want to miss it. Go ahead and sign up at kathyheller.com slash join. Freedom and happiness. That is our birthright. I believe that the opposite of depression, it's not happiness, it's purpose. I believe that every single person has something unique to contribute to the world. And that's why I wanted to create a show called Don't Keep Your Day Job. Don't Keep Your Day Job is about figuring out what it is that you were here to do in this world that only you can do to make the world more whole, more beautiful, and to stop selling yourself short and to stop sitting it out and to figure out how to take this thing you love, whether it's art or music or screenwriting or dance or baking, and how do you weave this thing that you love into a life that you get to contribute, that you get to do what you love full time, because it's not just about business. It's about contribution. It's about meaning. That is what we seek. That is what we truly want. And you absolutely are here to serve the world. And I want to help you figure out just how much value you have inside of you. And every single week, we're going to be talking to people who have something to add to help you get out of your own way, to help you be more successful, to help you be the truest expression of you. My name is Kathy Heller. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's dive in. Thanks to Fiverr for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. It's so easy to find freelance talent for your business or product. Don't waste any more time. Get 10% off and the service you deserve by going to fiverr.com and use code DREAMJOB. Thanks to ShipStation for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. Use my offer code DREAMJOB to get a 60-day free trial. Hey guys, it's Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. So I'm really grateful that today um, on the show, we have the incredible Byron Katie. I don't know how many of you are familiar with her work, but she is so exceptional. She is such an impressive human being and she's helped so many people to overcome their own suffering. And I'm going to introduce her properly in a minute, but It feels really fitting to me that she's on the show today because I shared with you last week that I've just been feeling like I've been going through stuff and I think we are all going through stuff, which is an understatement. And in this episode, you're going to hear the way she looks at the way that we tell ourselves what's true and the narrative that we walk around with and how important it is to understand what kind of control we have around what we're thinking and what we're focusing on and how we can kind of liberate ourselves from that. And it's just so refreshing. And the conversation I had with her, you're going to hear it. Like she actually called me out in my own thinking, which is really cool. And we left that stuff in so that you can kind of just like hear, you know, how she is. But I really do feel like pain is inevitable. You know, like this life, living a human experience, there is pain, there is heartache, there's stuff. But I have heard that pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. And the suffering is the way in which we like, it's kind of like we have these familiar ways in which like we react to things and and we get comfortable there. And I remember hearing Brene Brown say that joy is actually the most vulnerable emotion. And so I think we practice worrying and we practice feeling sad and we don't like it, but on some level, maybe it keeps us feeling safe or protected. It's a habit. It's like an old blanket. And what she's saying, and I think we've had other guests who say similar things. Gabby Bernstein has a similar approach. Gay Hendricks, who wrote The Big Leap, has a similar approach. Anyway, I'm happy that she's here today. 
I'm going to re-listen to this episode because I think I could use it. And um, let me properly introduce her. So Byron Katie, she is the founder of what's called The Work. She's a best-selling author, speaker, and just a really wise soul. Some of you might already know about The Work. She's been doing this for over 30 years. It's helped millions of people around the world to free themselves from stress, frustration, anger, and sadness. And I can personally say it has helped me in my own life. And I have to remember to go back to it because it really is unbelievably powerful. It's simple, but it is such a transformational process. And she's going to show you how you do it in this episode. You might also have read one of her amazing books like Loving What Is, I Need Your Love, Is That True? A Thousand Names for Joy and A Mind at Home with Itself. She's been featured in the LA Times, Oprah.com, The Huffington Post, Time Magazine. She has so much insight on how we can change what we believe. I'm not kidding you when I say this really is life-changing. I can't wait for you to hear this. So without further ado, please welcome the incredible one and only Byron Katie. Byron Katie, what an absolute treasure you are. Thank you so much for making the time. Oh, Kathy, you are so welcome. It's my privilege. <sighs> anyone who knows you, anyone who's heard you, anyone who's read your work, it is nothing less than life-changing, and I mean it. And you know that because you've seen that happen over and over again for all these souls. Can you tell us a little bit about what you had gone through to give us some context? You know, more than a decade of, of just feeling, you know, very suicidal, very lost, clinically depressed. I didn't see a way out. It was hell. i do anything that no human ever had to experience that kind of terror and depression. So that's why I do what I do, because yeah. there is a way out and where I don't have to talk people into a way out where they can do it themselves, because that's all we're really going to trust anyway. Yeah. You know, what, what we ourselves can buy. Yeah. Is it true that at one point you were living in a halfway house and do you want to tell us a little bit about where the idea for the work was born and what that, what, that, what that snapshot was like? Well, what happened was I was in a dead sleep and I was sleeping on the floor because I was so full of self-loathing. I didn't believe I even deserve the bed next to me in the room. And as I lay sleeping in this sound sleep, a cockroach crawled over my foot and I opened my eyes, and all the suffering was gone. And what happened when I opened my eyes, when that bug crawled over my foot, the ego didn't have time to fill in the gap between my waking up and realizing for myself the cause of suffering. Mm -hmm. And it was radical. It's where the work was born. Without identity, I was looking, but there was nothing. And I, Byron Kathleen, was not identified yet. I was just watching the world, my world, and how it was created. It wasn't my world yet. It, I was just blown. What happened was I began to laugh. That was the first sound. And it, it just poured out of me. It was so radical. Mm. It, it was like, I get the joke. Yeah. And I just, I saw that when I believed my thoughts, I suffered. And when I don't believe my thoughts, I don't suffer. A hundred percent. And all that pain from that long, dark decade and a life was gone. There was just no self, no I in that gap as I witnessed mm. the world being created. And it wasn't even my world. I just saw. And then I stood up. I looked in the mirror and I looked into that woman's eyes and something beyond anything I'm able to describe happened. And I'll just name it love. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. It was so powerful. Yeah. And so an agoraphobic woman, all of a sudden my door was open and people were calling and people were coming to my home and 
everyone was welcome. It was so radical and, mm. of course, unrecognizable to my children, other than my body, unrecognizable to my husband, other than my body. It was the consciousness had so shifted that it, it didn't match. And I just love life. I'm happy to be alive and I'm here to serve and I know my purpose and it's very clear. You and are, I think yeah. I think that my purpose is the purpose of all of us. I think we have that in common. Our purpose is freedom. That's our birthright. It's just so exquisite that you share all of that, that you have that insight and that you've dedicated your life to helping people out of their suffering and you've done it so well. And what people want, they think it's happiness, but what, what they find in the research is that what people want is belonging transcendence, contribution. And I think about those moments when people go to a concert and instead of it just being us and a bunch of strangers, all of a sudden at one point, everyone's singing together yeah. and there's a oneness and we, we get out of this story, out of this ego, and there's something bigger than us that starts to come together with everything yeah. else. Can you describe for people who, who are listening who maybe have not heard the basic inquiry of the four questions, can you explain what those four questions are and, and, and how the process is? Well, for example, when I was so depressed, let's say I had the thought, there's something wrong with me. Yeah. And uh, when I believed that thought and I really looked around at my environment, I had every reason to believe it. And to question that, this is what the work is. It's four questions and then what I call turnaround. So the first question is, is it true? And I invite your listeners, you know, that have entertained this thought, there's something wrong with me. I ask myself, is it true? There's something wrong with me. And then I, it, it's a quarry. I'm meditating in the thought, there's something wrong with me. Is it true? And then my mind might show me all the proof there's something wrong with me. So my answer, let's say, would be yes. Or maybe I meditated in that for quite a while and it began to look insane to me. Mm -hmm. In which case the answer would be no. But both answers are equal, yes or no, because this isn't an IQ test. This is about our own individual integrity. It's just you with you. So then the second question, can I absolutely know that it's true? There's something wrong with me. Let's say my answer was yes. There's, uh, can I absolutely know this too? something wrong with me? And I'm going to meditate in it again. It's like two shots at the same question, really. And it's worth taking time out to be sure maybe I missed something. Yeah. Can I absolutely know it's true there's something wrong with me? My answer is still yes, as I lay in that bed and yeah. look at it. So the third question, how do I react? What happens when I believe the thought there's something wrong with me? Yeah. Well, I see me yesterday in bed. I see me in the day before in bed, the day after in bed. And I see my children wanting my attention. And I see they need me for things. And I see their friends are there. And I look so horrible. I'm over 200 pounds. Maybe I haven't brushed my teeth in three weeks. I am just crippled. And I see that in my mind's eye as I lay in bed how do I react when I believe the thought? I see those images of the past. And I see me. And I'm witnessing that movie. And as I watch that, I think that's really me. Even though it's imagination. Imagination isn't the woman lying in bed. There's the woman lying in bed. That's reality. And then there's what the woman is thinking and believing. Mm -hmm. So she's in that movie of the past, that horror. And then how do I react when I believe the thought there's a movie of the future where it's going to be that way tomorrow and the next day and the next day, only it's going to get worse. Yeah. And it's horrible. Those future images, that's fear. The, those <sighs> images of the past is depression and guilt. 
And as I sit in the work and these four questions, I see that that past, that's not real. It's imagination. It's a dream. It's a movie. Uh-huh. The future, that's a movie. That is not I. I am the one sitting here right now doing this talk, this quarry. So then the last question, who would I be right here, right now? Who am I without the thought there's something wrong with me? So there goes the past, there goes mm. the future, and I'm present. Mm. And the past and future kind of sneak in. I notice, because now I know the difference between not now. Past and future is not now. Yeah. So without that, here I am. And, and it's just an experience. I invite everyone to, as, as you know, from your own experience, Kathy, no one can give us this. It's the answers from inside of us that meet the questions. That's what makes the difference. So yeah. now I turn it around after noticing that there's something wrong with me. What is mm-hmm. the opposite? There's something right with me. Now I'm out of the past. I'm out of the future. And I can see I'm breathing. Mm-hmm. And I noticed I'm not even doing that. It's a given. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I have every right to be dead, and I'm, I've got a bed. There's something right with me. Mm-hmm. I have children. I had a husband. He's since you know deceased, but I have the air that I'm breathing. There's water. I mean, it's, it's, <sighs> it's incredible. There's something right with me. So now there's a kind of balance that starts to happen. Mm-hmm. So the depression is lifting. Yeah. And then maybe I reach over and take a tissue because maybe there are tears in my eyes or I need to blow my nose or whatever. But there's something right with me. I know how to do that. Yeah. I know how to wipe my chin. I know how to blow my nose. I mean, there's something right with me. Yeah. We're talking about awareness. And for someone as depressed as I was, that's not a little thing. Yeah. So on the work.com, the way to identify the thoughts to question is free. It's easy to find, and you just press print, and you have it. Just So beautiful. There's no words. And, you know, when Martha Beck was here, she was talking about this idea that, like, you have all these thoughts and 70,000, let's say, a day, and so many of them are repetitive and just so unkind. And, mm-hmm. and she said, and at some point, you're the one observing the thoughts. It's like looking out through a window and looking at a blizzard rather than being in the blizzard. Mm-hmm. And I heard Dan Siegel say that every time he leads a meditation group at one point, there's always this moment where people drop in and they go, wait a minute. I was the thing watching all this going on. Yeah. I'm not those thoughts. I'm mm-hmm. not this identity. I'm this thing that's, that's the consciousness. We don't, we can't put a finger on it. Is it a soul? Is it, it doesn't matter what you call it, but everybody at some point has hopefully dropped in and we, we can disengage with all of this suffering. And, and one thing I, I've just felt my whole life is that pain, pain is inevitable. You know, you're, there's things in life that hurt, but the mm-hmm. suffering is optional. The yes. suffering and the amount of suffering is so unnecessary and people suffer so much. There's so many people listening to this show right now I have so much compassion because by the age of seven or eight, somebody left or somebody died or someone was very cruel and we're holding on to it. We're still living it every day. When you have so much of that in your, let's say, you know, software in what was imprinted, Mm -hmm. how do we begin to feel that this is even possible because we're thinking to ourselves, oh, this is so freeing what she's saying. But if I do this for every thought, I've got so many of these. How can we begin to really understand that this can start to make a big difference? Well, it's um, anytime you're experiencing anxiety or a depression or you have the sense that someone doesn't like you or approve of you let's say someone has said something that hurt your feelings. Now, let's say that they hurt my feelings. I am awake enough to understand that that's not possible. That what I myself am thinking and believing about that person, what they said and what they did, that 
is what is hurting my feelings. And that is taking full responsibility. Mm. I like to say no one can hurt me. That is my job. Wow, so, so good when you it, say that. It, full responsibility. Yes. And if someone, I think someone said or did something to hurt my feelings, what I'm thinking and believing about that person is what belongs on that worksheet, on that judge your neighbor worksheet on the work.com. It's right there. So I just fill it in with my judgments about that person in that situation. And then I question them using those four questions and turnarounds we just looked at. And I don't call it the work for nothing. This is a meditative process. It takes stillness. And if you fill in a worksheet and just did one belief at a time, it's like, this is life changing. It is. It's miraculous. And it doesn't require a teacher you're the one, you're it. Anyone mm. with an open mind can do it. It's and so good. So if I believe something terrible is going to happen, that belongs on paper. If yeah. I'm depressed, what am I depressed about? Well, uh, I don't have enough money, okay? So that can go on a one belief at a time worksheet. So the Judge and Able worksheet's there, and the one belief at a time worksheet is there. It's so good, and I was just thinking how... My therapist said to me years ago, she said, you look for evidence of what you believe is true. And you walk around all this time saying, my husband doesn't love me. He doesn't care. He doesn't appreciate me. And so then you see evidence of that, even though he's done so much to show you that he loves Uh you. But you have this experience with your father who walked out, who had a lot of abuse toward you and your family. And you just keep seeing that and it's not yeah. even happening and you're yeah. suffering. You're, you continue to suffer. And I said, oh my God. So she said, every day, could you write down evidence of the opposite? Look how much he cares. Look how oh, much that's beautiful. That's beautiful. But how for people who are listening, who might be a little cynical in this moment, how can we balance that with the times where it's completely correct that our suffering is because of how we are, let's say, feeling or interpreting something. But then there are times where you think to yourself, I don't want this person in my life, or I don't want to continue working at this job. I don't like it so much, or I don't think this person is good for me. How do you balance the, I'm taking full responsibility with also knowing when to put up a boundary or saying, yeah, this isn't going to work. Well, you know, that's taken care of on the worksheet. There are six things on the worksheet to fill in. And the second number two is uh, I want And in that situation with the person that hurt my feelings, what did I want? And then um, three on the worksheet is to get what I want, what advice would I offer that person? And so I go back into that situation where they hurt my feelings and I get in touch with that. And then I fill in the third one. You know, they should, they shouldn't. And then on the next one, it is all about what do I need to be happy in that situation where they hurt my feelings? And, and I fill that in. Okay, Kathy, so when I question those and turn them around, that is what I want when people hurt my feelings. It, it shows me direction. And it shows me what advice would I offer. It shows me how to live. And then what do I need to be happy? It shows me what I need to do. Mm-hmm. And in in those situations. So it's all there in the turnarounds. I don't have to guess about life anymore because I wrote the worksheet. I trust what I see when it's turned around. I don't just turn things around and live that way. I'm living out of a depth and a realization that's authentic. Yeah, It's mine. It's a made to order my own. It's not for other people. That's not what they need to be happy. It's not what they want. It's not, it's my own advice. Yeah. It's so important. And we spend very little time listening to that and listening to it from a, from a place of clear seeing, of really seeing clearly what's happening. Yeah. And, and feeling it. And I mean, it's, it, it just shifts like the cells in your brain Mm -hmm. and body. It's a transition that only we ourselves can give. And and I don't, again, I don't call it the work for nothing. It's hard when we have children and bills to pay and a job, but all of what I've described there becomes effortless yep. 
when our minds are free and clear. Yeah. This conversation has been so incredible. And before we go on, let's just thank our sponsors. We're all buying more stuff online than ever before. For all of you e-commerce sellers, are you ready to meet the demands of our new delivery culture? Now you can be prepared with ShipStation. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders just a few clicks, and you'll be managing your orders, printing out labels, and getting your product to happy customers. It's just like what my friend Susie Moore says, let it be easy. I know some of you have been selling products online as a side hustle, while some of you have made a full-time living from it, but no matter what size your business is, ShipStation can help you get orders out quickly and save money on shipping costs. No matter where you're selling, whether it's Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface so you can easily manage them from any device. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, and even Amazon Fulfillment, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. And right now, Don't Keep Your Day Job listeners can try ShipStation for free for 60 days when you use my offer code DREAMJOB. Make sure your business is ready to meet the demands of delivery culture. Get started at ShipStation.com today. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in DREAMJOB. That's ShipStation.com. Then enter offer code DREAMJOB. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. It feels like the way we work together has changed overnight. And I think that we've learned that it's about having access to the right resources. And that's what's essential for adapting our businesses in these uncertain times. So how can we plan better for the unexpected? There's so much happening right now and finding the right talent can end up adding extra stress. But thankfully, we have Fiverr. Fiverr's online marketplace connects businesses with freelancers offering hundreds of digital services, including graphic design, copywriting, web programming, film editing, and so much more. Whether you're launching your first business or you're scaling your side hustle, or you need support to complete a project, Fiverr's global network of on-demand freelance talent is here to help. We use Fiverr to help us on a quick project and it was super convenient. We searched for a graphic designer on their site and then we could customize it by price, deadline, even reviews. And the freelancer we found was really responsive and did an exceptional job. I love that we didn't have to guess how much it would cost. We didn't have to negotiate prices. It was just seamless. It was a great experience. Check out Fiverr.com and receive 10% off your first order by using my code DREAMJOB. Find all the digital services you need in one place at F-I-V-E-R-R.com, code DREAMJOB. Again, that's Fiverr.com, code DREAMJOB. I just went to a program in December called OnSite. One thing that they said that I think the listeners could take right now in relation to what we're discussing is they said, look, if a boat changed course two degrees, not 55 degrees, not 180 degrees, but two degrees, if you go out 50 miles, a thousand miles, the boat will wind up in a different continent. Yeah. So how you change one little thing It'll be massive. I think it's so powerful what you've created. Let me ask you this. I've gotten to talk to so many people, hundreds of thousands. And the biggest pattern is not about what other people did to me. It's how I feel about myself, which is where you started this conversation. And the thing that comes up over and over is I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of being loved. I'm not worthy of putting my work in the world. I'm an imposter. I'm a fraud. How do we help people when that feels like, no, no, it's not just a thought. It's the truth. I'm living that every day. I don't feel needed. I don't feel unique. I don't feel worthy of being loved. I don't feel like who I am. Okay. So so let's look at it. You're not worthy of love. Is it true? Go to the place, the situation where you were believing that. Okay. Maybe you were doing the dishes. Maybe you were just waking up. Maybe you're, maybe it was while you were talking to me. You just go to a place, a situation where you were believing I'm not worthy of love. Yeah. Do you see that? Yeah. Okay. So where are you when you were thinking and believing that? I think for me, I was like a little girl uh, hanging out with my dad and I felt, I felt unsafe. And I probably also felt like in order to be loved by him, I had to earn it. I had to be good or helpful. I wasn't loved just because. Okay. So you see him sitting there with you? Yeah. Okay. In that situation, you're not worthy of love. Is it true? Now we're going to meditate in this and invite all your listeners to do the same, to find that place where you were believing it. So there you are with your dad. You're not worthy of love. Now in your mind's eye, look at that little girl. Look at her dad. You're not worthy of love. Is it true? No, it's not true. Now as that little girl, notice emotionally, how did you react when you believed the thought, you're not worthy of love? How did it feel? Felt 
scary and lonely and uh, overwhelming. Okay. I'm not worthy of love. Even though you were a little girl, see if you can locate images of the past future in your head when you were believing that. Yeah. How do you react? What happens when you believe the thought in that situation with your dad, I'm not worthy of love? Uh, My reaction to this day when I feel that is to do something to earn it. Okay, so you begin to please him and notice, do you smile do you ag- when you don't feel like it? Do you agree with him when you don't feel like it? Yeah. Okay, so you become uh, a facade of yourself. Right. Yeah, false identity. Mm-hmm. Okay, so just feel that. Just watch that little girl, how hard she's working. Okay, now let's move gently to the last question. Who would you be, little girl, without the thought, I'm not worthy of love? Um, free. Okay, so look at her. No pretense. Are you okay? Is she okay without all that? Oh, my God, she's so much better with all that gone. Yeah. Who would you be without the thought, I'm not worthy of love? Look at her. I see her. She's awesome. <laughs> that that freedom of not having to prove being worthy of love. It's exhausting to believe that. Yeah. Okay, precious. I'm not worthy of love. What is the opposite? I am worthy. Okay, so now try it on. We can't just go to the opposite and believe it. Try it on. I am worthy of love. Look at her and give me an example. I am worthy of love. When you look at her, where is she worthy of love? Everywhere. I mean, just being a soul, you know. I just read something that said love. If it's love, it's not earned. It's just given. Yeah. There she is. Yeah. Okay. So I'm worthy of love. That's the only turnaround I see. I am not worthy of love. I am worthy of love. Yeah. Gosh, in your world, looking at her, there's nothing she had to do really to be worthy of love. Look at her. She's beautiful, innocent. I think a lot of people had different kinds of experiences, but in my house, my parents made me their therapist and told me their sexual issues, their financial issues. My mom was suicidal. My dad was like a rageaholic, alcoholic, and they praised me for helping them and listening to them and hearing all the horrible details. And then they would also be violent. So I felt I had to do all of that to be loved. I couldn't just eat a sandwich and sit on the couch. And so it's it causes me a lot of work today yeah. a lot of yeah. yeah so you felt you i heard you say you felt you had to do all of that so that's powerful you had to do all of that yeah is it true no 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 they praise you and praise you praise you you had to do all of that is it true no no and how do you react Look at your life growing up when you believed the thought. You had to do all of that. Oh, my God. I mean, I've had so many times where I have shingles or pneumonia or so much just from pushing it all the way because I have to do it. Like it's like a it's 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 such an old hardwired role, which I've learned slowly to untangle from. And I'm sure. So now look at your life. In that family, without the thought, I have to do all of that. Yeah, it's very different. Because you didn't. No. You didn't have to. It's just a a lie you were holding. Yeah. And your parents didn't teach you to believe that. They didn't say it was your job. They praised you. Mm Mm-hmm. That's true. And then they take the rap for you having to do all of that. It's just not true. It was self-induced. Mm-hmm. I have to do all of that to be loved. Turn it around to be loved. I don't. I didn't. You know, that's amazing. I mean, I've done so much of this work, but 
one thing that you just said I've never heard, and it's really interesting. What you just said was that was self-induced. Self-induced. I didn't have to do all of that to be loved. I, I don't think not. most people think that when they were children and they were put in some abusive situation or whatever it was, that there's any part of it that was self-induced. But it made me cry when you said it because it must be true. Well, look at it. Test it. Did they ever say you have to do all of this to be loved? Those words? No, never. Well, they just praised you. I mean, I, my only information is what I'm getting from you. They praised you and you believe this. So that's an incredible, I've never heard that before, where for kids you would say, and tell me, why is that helpful? Because it's obviously really helpful. <laughs> Otherwise you wouldn't say it. It's obviously freedom and truth and love. Where is the truth and the love and the freedom in not putting it on your parents, but in saying it was induced? Because it must be, it must be. I just can't blame other people for my crazy head. Hmm. It's like my mother said, there's something wrong with you, Byron Kathleen. That's not my problem. The moment I believed it, that's when it became a problem. Mm -hmm. And that's not right or wrong. How else is an ego going to survive? It has to believe itself as an I, identified personality, identification. I cannot blame the world for my craziness. I had to look to myself and I don't stop. It's whatever comes to my mind or out of my mouth. Is it true? Meets it. It's silent and it meets it. And if I'm upset, I see how I react when I believe a thought and how I treat other people. And if there's resentment in my life, I look to me. I am the way out. Each of us are our own way out. It begins and ends in you, the entire world. Yeah. And everyone in it. And yeah. our parents are great teachers. They are the push that gets us here. Mm -hmm. Those are our teachers. And we're devoted to them. So much of our thoughts are about them. Isn't that amazing? It's so it true. Is, but Oh, the gratitude on the other side, because they're here, obviously, to enlighten us. Yeah, totally. And the people we marry and the children we have and the, the, the people we work for, the people that work for us, the man on the street, the push. It's so good. And it's so powerful. And, and so much of the time, we're not thinking any of this. We're thinking this person's at fault. This is why I'm upset. And this I have no control over, so I'll keep being upset. You know what I'm saying? This is where we're, yeah. we're stuck most of the time, suffering. I have one you might want to try on. My parents made me their therapist. Turn it around. I chose to be. I made me my parents' therapist. Mm -hmm. That's taking responsibility. Yep, that's so true. And there's no right or wrong. It, 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 it doesn't make you guilty. Yep. We believe what we believe, and it's, it's like a happening. We don't do it on purpose. Yep, that's so true. And mind is the cause. What we're thinking and believing is the cause of all of our suffering without exception, in my experience. And I've been testing this for more than three decades now. It's so amazing. And I find that what's really astonishing is, and when Gay Hendricks was here, he was talking about it. There's such an upper limit on how much joy we actually will will tolerate. I just find that fascinating. This idea of like, I don't even know if I really want to end all my suffering. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I sure do. What I the sure heck do. is that? Yeah. Well, you know, look at the perks. Look at all the perks and the suffering. We get to be pitied. We get, there are a lot of perks. We don't have to do anything about it, right? We don't take responsibility. No, no. And we can just feel so bad. And then there's also that other piece where Brene Brown talks about how, you know, if you allow, if you allow yourself to feel joy, sometimes you, you sink into it and then you actually are terrified you're going to lose it. So you'd rather be in the pain and the suffering because you don't feel as vulnerable. And, and there's also a good one in there. You feel guilty. If you get too happy, you know, 100%. you're guilty. hundred <laughs> percent. So what do we do with that? I just have done enough work or I just do not feel guilty. I think that 
that freedom and happiness that is our birthright. And being happy doesn't look like happy, 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 happy. It, it's, it is a state of mind that is good with itself. It's fearless. It's giving. It's in service. It is, it's a good life. It's a guilt-free life. So beautiful. When you were beginning to share this work with other people, how did this become what it is? It's such a movement. It's affected so many people. And there you were laying on the floor and then you got up. And now hundreds of thousands, if not millions and millions of people know this work. How the heck did you do that? Like what? One on one, on one, on one, on one. It is so powerful that someone like you can go to Israel and someone invite you to this thing called the work. And it's not like I'm not the one. It belongs to all of us. There's no one that can't do this if their mind is open to it. You seem so beyond the suffering, but I'm going to ask you, do you ever have moments when you're writing a book where you think, oh my God, who am I to write this? Or it's already been written? Or are you really beyond those suffering, horrible thoughts? There is no way I ever would have written a book. I, well, I can't say that. That little bitty book that's still flying around. Oh yeah, yep, I have that one. That's my book. And everything else came out of just this kind of magic thing where a man said, I want to be your literary agent. And I said, well, I don't have a book other than this little book, and it's all I ever want. And he said, no, you have a book. And fine, I could see he really wanted that. And so I said, yes, he could be my literary agent. And still knowing I don't have a book. Well, he moved immediately to Stephen Mitchell, Then there were several talks and getting to know each other and everything. And he told my literary agent, I can do this book. And so that's where the books came from. And that's how I met Stephen and we're married today. (laughs) That's so beautiful. And the last question is one of the things that I see with my listeners all the time. I wish I could wave a magic wand and help them with this is this need to be perfect and I don't want to make the thing because it's going to be messy I'm afraid that if I create my own podcast or if I start my own bakery or if I knit something for Etsy it's not going to be great and so I'm just going to either wait to be quote-unquote ready or I'm not going to ever do it because I don't want to be rejected and I don't want to make something messy how do you overcome that Oh my gosh, you know, for example, if it were knitting, if I don't do it for me, if I don't love it, why would I send it? And other people don't like have have to like what I do. But if I like it, then I ship it off to someone that might. And we don't all like the same things. But what I got from it, I've already got. Mm-hmm. In other words, that, that's it. Yeah. I want people to love what I do, but if I don't, how can I expect them to? Yeah. So look at your craft and love it. Just love what you do and send it off and watch the miracle. It's so beautiful and it's so tough because one of the things that we know that's the difference between a hobby and a business is that there's so much empathy needed in a business because you're making something that someone else might want or need. They're going to pay you for it. And so when Seth Godin has been here a couple of times, he'll say, it's empathy. You know, it's a business. If it's a business, there's, there's gotta be some empathy for what the other person wants. They got to value it. I like that a lot, but where one person loves it and needs it, another person won't. That's correct. You know, if we look back at my books, they're not for everyone. People can read those and it's so in your face, they throw it against the wall. But I've got to do what I have to do. And anything that would stop me from doing service for other people, anything that would stop me, I would question it. I would identify it and question it. Otherwise, you know, like, like there are dishes in the sink and, and I walk in and I see them and it's, it's like, um, 
you know, hypothetically, well, it's not fair. It's not my turn. Those aren't my dishes. And, oh, that's so messy. And they'll never learn and all of that. So believing all of that, that is more difficult to live than doing the dishes. And what if I didn't believe any of that? My dishes are always done. And that's how I live. I'm so touched by those words. And I'm so happy that you brought that up because what I find that people struggle with is, well, what the heck is my thing? And there's always then this sort of wrestling between, I want to make this thing, but then this is the thing that's my strength. And this is the way I can solve problems or help other people. But this is the thing that I like. And what you just said is anything that would stop me from serving other people, I would question. Oh, absolutely. So do you feel like the answer to the question, what's my purpose is how can I solve the most pain or how can I be of most service? I think that what my purpose is to be free because that's where I am. Free is free. You know, I just live as a yes because there's really nothing to stop me. And, you know, Kathy, I'd spend on a dime anytime I'd have something to serve people. It wouldn't just be the work. It's something I live out of naturally. I don't give it a thought because there's nothing to stop me. It's it's supporting um, someone in trouble on the street. It's picking up a piece of litter and taking it to the next can just on a morning walk. It is loving what is. I think that's the greatest service that I can give the world is is just doing the thing in front of me because I don't know why not to. Just the simplest life. No one ever has to know about it. It's a good life. I love that so much. Thank you so much for being here. Tell us where we can find you and we can find all the things that you share. On byronkatie.com. Awesome. And we will put a link to all of that in the show oh, notes and send thank it out. You, honey. Thank you and, for this. Oh, you're welcome. And if it's a little difficult for your listeners, you know, anyone with an open mind can do this work. I agree with you. You're really such a, such a gift. And thank you for everything that you've done that's allowed you to share this with everybody else. Thank bye you bye. so much. Oh my God. What a conversation. Okay. Here are the takeaways. Number one, ask yourself, number one, is it true? Number two, can I absolutely know this is true? Number three, how do I react when I believe this thought? And number four, who would I be without this thought? And then you turn it around and you say, what's the opposite? Number two, you are your own way out. It begins and ends with you. Number three, there's no right or wrong. Don't feel guilty for believing what you believe. Number four, freedom and happiness are your birthright. Number five, look at your craft and love it. Number six, question anything that stops you from doing service for other people. And number seven, love what is, do the thing in front of you because you don't know why not to. Let it be simple. It's a good life. I can't tell you how grateful I am that you guys listen to this show. It means the world to me. We have amazing episodes coming up. Jason Mraz is going to be on the show in just a few days. If you're not subscribed, make sure you subscribe. It's free to subscribe. Also, my birthday's on Friday. <laughs> so uh, we'll probably do something extra fun for my birthday. But if you want to give me a gift, do me a favor and subscribe to the show and then go ahead and leave us a review. If you like the show, if it inspires you, if you've been meaning to leave us a review, go ahead and do that because it really does help us a lot. And then tell a friend about it, like share this episode with a friend or talk about it on Instagram and tag me and then I'll repost it and I'll share whatever you shared. And I just want to say a huge thank you because I'm well aware that you could be doing a million things with your time and it means so much that you're here. I love you guys. I'll leave you with a song of mine. I'll talk to you Thursday. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com. So many times I chose to run. So many times I held my tongue. I held my tongue. Never saying what I needed to.
Like a soldier.